Now, there were times I called on him out of my head and didn't seem like he answered me. But when I called on him out of my heart, wherever I was at, God answered me. He'll answer you when you're driving down the highway. He'll answer you in your jail cell. He'll answer you wherever you are if you earnestly in your heart are calling on the Lord. If you call on him, you will find him. Welcome to the light of the world. And this is Jared G. Martin. A lot of people want to know where God is. Well, God wants to know where you are. He is the one who said, you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. I want you to listen to this message today as we are encouraging you to turn your heart and your mind toward God and let him use your life to fulfill all the things that he wants to fulfill in you. Now come and go with us as we walk in the light of God's word. If you seek him, he will be found by you. God is not hiding from folk. God is not so mysterious. He's not a God who says, I, I'm playing hide and go see with you. You want my blessings? You want me to be in your life? You got to find me and you got to go through some kind of a search mission to find me. God says, if you seek me, you will find me. But if you forsake him, he will reject you forever. So if you don't seek him, you won't find him. But if you seek him, and that's everybody, that's God, that's inclusive of everybody, anyone who seeks the Lord. doesn't matter what denomination you're in, doesn't matter what uh, your background is, doesn't matter what your social economic uh, status is. If you seek him, you will find him. You don't even have to have a Bible and you just seek him, you'll find him. I read a story once uh, of a young man in a, in a communist nation. Somebody had taken a Bible uh, and torn it into just bits and pieces. And he found one little piece of one little scripture. And he held on to that scripture and found the Lord. <laughs> That's all the Bible he had carried around with him. That's just one little piece of it. So if you're looking for him, you'll find him. So Solomon is instructed by his father David that he says, if I don't tell you anything else, let me tell you this. Acknowledge the God of your father and serve him with wholehearted devotion and a willing mind wholehearted devotion, and a willing mind. If we're going to walk in holiness, we have to have a willing mind. It has to be on our agenda. Do we even think about living a holy life, walking in holiness, walking in righteousness? We have to have a desire to do that even before we do it. Here's what David said in Psalms 145, 18. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfilled the desires of those who fear him, and he hears their cries and saves them. Here's James telling us that we can draw near to God, he'll draw near to us, and the Scriptures is telling us that it's not a problem, there's not a barrier, there's not an obstacle for us to get to God. If we would just have a desire in our heart to come near him, we can find him and we have access to him. We don't have to pray and say, oh Lord, where are you? Lord, why are you so far away? Why are you so distant in my life? If we earnestly desire in our hearts to call on him, then he's there. Remember when you got saved? I remember when I did, I called on him in my office, and he was right there in my office. Now, there were times I called on him out of my head and didn't seem like he answered me. But when I called on him out of my heart, wherever I was at, God answered me. He'll answer you when you're driving down the highway. He'll answer you in your jail cell. He'll answer you wherever you are if you earnestly in your heart are calling on the Lord. If you call on him, you will find him. 
So our coming to God has to be a genuine effort on our part or our coming is nullified. I'm not talking about coming to God initially at the point of our salvation. At the point of our salvation, we've come to God, but are we still visiting with him and communing with him and fellowshipping with him on a regular, ongoing basis? I don't believe the Lord meant for us to come before him one time when he said, I come into his presence with thanksgiving and I enter his gates with praise. That wasn't on salvation. That's every time I come before him. That's every day when I wake up. That's why he said, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and I'm going to, what? Be glad in this day as I come again before the Lord. Here's what Isaiah said in Isaiah 29, 13. The Lord says... These people come near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. He said, these people. I wonder what people he was talking about. Was he talking about those people or is he talking about these people? And I believe these people are still coming to the Lord and coming near to him with their mouths. And they're honoring him with their lips, but their hearts are still far from him. God was not talking about the heathens. He was not talking about those that didn't know him. He was talking about those who were called by his name. That's a big difference, and we see it all the time in the church, where people will come to the church, especially with the words to the music on the wall. They can can come to him with their mouths because they can mouth the words. And they can express with their lips. And we can say hallelujah. We can say praise the Lord. And our hearts are somewhere else. Here's what God is saying. Their worship of me is made up of only rules taught by men. Only rules taught by men. The the rules that say we got to stand up. Come on and stand up and praise the Lord everybody. Pump your hands and tell them I say thank you. See, but when people have a thanksgiving out of their hearts, you don't have to say anything, but you got to, well, you may have to say something. Come on, sit down. Come on, sit down. All right, let's move on. That's what you have to say. But when thanksgiving is welling up in people's hearts, a praise will break out over here, and then another praise will break out over here, and another worship will break out over here, and somebody will start shouting over here. You know, then churches done broke out. But when you got to pump them and prime them and, and build them up and, and, and trick them and fool them, you got to trick him into prayer. Come on, everybody, lift your hands high as you can. And while you got them up, say, thank you, Lord. <laughs> Try to wake them up and shake them and all of that kind of stuff like that. God's saying, you know what? You can come to me out of routine, out of ritual, in our prayer, in our worship, in our praise, even in our reading the word. It can just be routine. We're not even considering, Lord, I want to hear from you. I'm reading, Lord, speak to me through your word. And then you say, you know what? I read the word. I prayed for an hour. I, I came to church and I, I go to church. I'm there on Sunday morning. I'm there at Bible study. And it could be routine. And God can say, these people come near to me with their mouths, honor me with their lips, but their hearts. Remember, he already said, I know your hearts. I know your thoughts. I know the motives behind the thoughts. I know you're sitting up there thinking about where you're going to go eat while the pastor is preaching. I know you're saying, how much longer is he going to be? I know you're saying, I should have stayed home. I know you're saying, did I leave the iron on? Amen? Those things come. And, uh, it, and if we're not careful, church just become a routine manifestation of our religious practices. And God is looking for you to come with uh, another fire in your heart. 
So the first thing we ought to do is to come to God. We ought to draw near to him with an intimate desire for intimate fellowship and communion. I just ask you to think about this and consider this. Whenever you come to the house of the Lord, just consciously say to yourself, Lord, I'm coming to be in your presence. Speak to me through your word. Speak to me through the worship. Lord, there's something in it for me today, and I'm coming to receive, and I'm coming to give you praise and glory, and I'm coming to receive. You know, just be conscious that I'm coming. I want to draw near to you. You know, there, there's one person who's sitting there, and they'll hear a sermon. They'll say, ooh, that was pastor that ministered to me. Ooh, God was just speaking to me through the word. And another person sitting right next to him sleep. And you ask them, what was it all about? They didn't hear a thing. And you know, every message may not be for you. But there's something in it that can minister to you, and you might be able to take it to somebody else. Or just ask the Lord, Lord, what is it for me that I can minister to? Because either he wants to minister to you or minister through you to somebody else. So it may not be for you, but it may be a word that if you just meditate on it, that you'll have it to minister to somebody else with it. But let's not come routinely. And, you know, when you come to church and even in your car sometimes just say, you know, I'm drawing near to worship. I'm drawing near to worship. I'm drawing near to praise. And what will happen if you had everybody coming into the house of the Lord say, you know, I'm drawing near to worship. If you would read the Psalms, there are several of them, and the subtopic, the subheading on them will say, it is a song of ascent. If you notice that. This was a song that they would sing when they are ascending, coming up the incline to the temple with the praisers and the worshipers going before uh, the people, and they would sing this song as they came to the temple, getting ready to praise. That's why he says, I will enter your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise, because they literally did that. You know, we ought to do that sometime. We ought to just start praise out there in the parking lot, line up everybody, and just say, you know, before we even go into the building, we're going in with praise today. We're going to enter his gates with thanksgiving. We ought to line them up on the street and enter these gates with thanksgiving and then enter these courts with praise. It's coming on up to the house of the Lord. Oh, if he inhabits the praise of his people, you know, what would happen if his people would praise him? The second thing that James tells us to do in his uh, passage, he tells us to wash your hands. This phrase also has its origin in the Jewish ceremonial prescription for priests. Before they came to the Lord to offer sacrifices, they had to wash up. Isaiah used the same figure of speech to represent unrepentant sin in those who presumed to worship God. Unrepentant sin. Here is Isaiah chapter 1, verse 15. Here's what it says. When you spread out your hands in prayer, this is God talking now, I hide my eyes from you. Even if you offer many prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are full of blood. Wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight and stop doing wrong. God has said, there are those who are coming before him and say, Lord, I want to come into your presence. Lord, I just want to get before you. And God's looking at those hands. And God is saying, you know what? You know, wouldn't it be something? You're praying to God. You're really trying to intercede. Oh, God, I call on you. And God's saying, boy, look at those hands. Look at them. Well, they need to go wash. You, you need what now? Who can come into his holy mountain but those that have a pure heart and clean hands? God said, wash up before you come in. That's daily purification. Asking for repentance and forgiveness. 
all of us need to repent from time to time. Time to time, from 10 to 11, 11 to 12, 12 to 1, 1 to 2, from time to time. There are things that we have in our hearts and our minds, things that we say, things that we should have said that we didn't. It's not a problem repenting. It don't mean you're not saved. It means you are. Did you hear me? That means you are saved. You didn't repent when you was a sinner. That's the difference between sinners and saved folk. You cussed them out and felt good about it when you was a sinner. You said, that told them. But when you got saved and you did that once, there was something on the inside that said, you know, you shouldn't have done that. We don't do that no more. And then you say, oh, Lord, I'm so sorry. I'm going to try not to do that no more. <laughs> I hope. But the saints don't do that. I, I just love the people at the light of the world. None of them cuss. Amen. I thank God we don't have no cussing member. This is Jerry G. Martin, and thank you once again for joining us as we have brought the Word of God to you. And we are hopeful that your life has been enriched and that you have been encouraged. It is such a privilege to come to you no matter where you are. You may be in your home or your automobile or your place of business. If you would like to hear today's message again in its entirety, you can do so by going to our podcast at The Light of the World Daily with Jerry G. Martin. Again, that's The Light of the World Daily with Jerry G. Martin. You can also join us on our website at lowcf.org. Again, that's lowcf.org. And as always, I invite you to be our guest at The Light of the World. We meet each Sunday at 10 a.m. at 16161 Old Humble Road. If you're in Atasca Cedar, Kingwood, Summerwood, Fall Creek, North Houston, Northeast Houston, you're in our neighborhood. Come and be our guest. I want to remind you that the Beacon Christian Bookstore is located right here on our campus. Almost every Christian bookstore in our city has closed, but we have an inventory of Bibles, communion supplies, Sunday school books, offering envelopes, study materials, or whatever you might need. Call the Beacon at 281 481-2885. Again, that's 281-441-2885. Now for the light of the world, this is Jerry G. Martin saying, may the Lord our God richly bless you and we'll be with you again next time.